0: Welcome to the Krieg Devault Podcast, where we discuss the latest news, laws, and trends affecting your industry. Welcome back to the Krieg Devault Podcast. I'm your host George Leppiniotis. I'm joined today by two of our uh, municipal law, public finance, government affairs professionals, Randy Head and Matt Norris. Gentlemen, thank you for being with us. Well, thanks for having us. Good to talk to you. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, do you enjoy the, the, the Craig DeVault podcast room? It's it's more impressive than you heard, isn't it?
1: It's quite stately. Uh, <laughs> great views from in here. Uh, yeah, just happy to be here. Yeah,
0: well, we aim to please and uh, we bring out uh, – we, we, we spare no expense. So now getting to the point of the podcast – 2023 is an exciting year in Indiana for a number of reasons, uh, but predominantly beginning with uh, the legislature, the state legislature, and some of their goals and plans. Um, Indiana has uh, long been recognized as a business-friendly climate, uh, and I don't think there's any plans to change that. Uh, let's talk about it. Let's tee it up. What do you guys see coming along, and, and what can our listeners and, and residents of Indiana and those looking to do business in Indiana expect this coming year? Sure. Uh, thanks, George. Yeah, it's a, it's a great
1: uh, great setup for us. So um, as you said, the uh, 2023 legislative session is just around the corner. starts on January the 9th, and because this is a long budget writing session, it will go until the end of April, so a four-month session. Uh, And that's going to be the focus. The state budget is going to be the focus this year. Uh, I'm sure the listeners have read in the newspapers that Indiana is in great fiscal uh, situation, and and they certainly are. Um, But depending on who you talk to, um, it may not be quite as rosy as it's led to believe uh, in the media. Um, Media reports upwards of a $4 billion surplus. But if you talk to Senate Appropriations Chair Ryan Mischler, the surplus is more like $700 million. And so the focus of this upcoming session will be how to bridge that divide. And I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail as to sort of that discrepancy. Um, yes, we're sitting on about $4 billion in surplus cash, but a lot of that, according to Senator Mischler is tied up into specific funds that can only be tapped into for an emergency situation. So if you take out the surplus funds in those areas, Uh, You factor in the um, uh, tax, uh, uh, the um, direct payments that were issued to Hoosiers this past summer uh, because of the surplus. His figure is more like a $700 million surplus, which doesn't fund the uh, state for very long.
0: Yeah, right. Well, and I, I, but we are talking about a surplus, correct? So we're not talking about an operational budget. We are talking about money left over. That's correct. So um, let's start with that basic concept, whether it's $700 million or $4 billion, which is a drastic disparity, uh, it's a, a long shot better than some states Correct, correct. that are routinely operating at, at, at deficits. What do you think it is about Indiana and our legislature that makes that a possibility?
2: Well, part of it's the constitutional provision in our state document that says we've got to have a balanced budget, uh, and part of that is a commitment uh, by legislators. Uh, when you come in as a freshman, they tell you this is how it's going to be. And it becomes very important that we're going to have an honestly balanced budget, and we're going to keep a reserve so that if there was a financial emergency, we could run the state. Uh, when I was in the state senate, I think we could run the state six weeks uh, on the the reserve uh, that we kept. Uh, and, and budget writers uh, and people who aren't budget writers are very committed to, to those kinds of concepts.
0: Well, Randy, I think it's great that that. First off, I think it's great that you're part of our firm. I think uh, I think you're a welcome addition. But you, let's talk a little bit about behind the scenes and behind the curtain and. Uh, you know, I've heard you've heard the saying you don't want to watch the sausage be made, you just wanna eat it. But um what does that process look like as a state legislature when they're sitting down to look at their budgets? I mean we heard Senator Michler thinks that it's really three point three billion dollars off. That's a big disparity, but is there generally speaking consensus? Uh, General, amongst generally the generally there is.
2: Now what Michler's saying is that look, we've got to take fifty one percent or more of that budget and spend it on K through twelve. We've got to spend a big chunk on on medicare and medicaid mm-hmm. uh you know there, there are other entitlement programs that, that are going to be in the budget uh and so when people come to him and say well we've got all this extra money we can spend it on my pet project his answer is well no we have to be careful and we don't know how much more income we're going to keep getting we've had uh, some quarters where we've taken in more money than uh, than was predicted uh, we had a recent quarter where we took in less than was predicted yeah. so as, as the budget writer uh, Mishler and the newly appointed representative Jeff Thompson, head of the ways and means committee in the house, uh, I think are going to be very conservative when they, when they go about their business.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, that's probably as as you have said. That's par for the course here in Indiana.
2: Right, and people are people are into it. The the people on those committees, the people around those committees, people who want things, yeah. legislators who want things. We're all policy nerds, so we like to watch the <laughs> sausage being made. And uh, the, I think your question was, what's the process like? The process yeah. is the governor sends over a proposal, uh, the house deals with it first, and they change it, and they send it to the senate, and the, and the senate uh, takes testimony and changes it more, and then the house and the senate have to negotiate and agree. Uh, so both sides go in knowing they're not going to get everything that they want, and they both agree to trim things from each other's budget in order to have an honestly balanced budget with, with a, a large surplus, a large well. they're going to call it a reserve. And if we call it a surplus, that means we want to spend some of that money. When they call it a reserve, they're saying we want to keep some of that money and
0: don't spend it. Well, and it's funny because as um, I think attorneys, lawyers, people that go to law school learn pretty early on in that process. And I remember this from my first year. That the government's purpose is not necessarily to make a profit. Government's purpose is to solve problems that no one else can or is willing to solve. Right. Right. Um, maintaining order, uh, maintaining the police power, um, keeping society moving at times when everyone might be in, in in difficult straits, is philosophically is a is a surplus of that amount. Whether it's seven hundred million or four billion, is a surplus of that amount a smart idea?
1: Well, it sort of depends on your perspective. Um, If you are a more conservative Republican, they think that, yeah, the surplus is a good idea because there's going to be an economic downturn at some point in time. We may be heading towards that right now. Um, it, it's it's great to have that surplus when times are good, because then you can talk about pet projects and spending on this, that, or the other, and we'll talk about some of the initiatives that will be introduced this upcoming session. Um, but at the same time, you're always worried about the economic downturn, and the last thing you want to do is to raise taxes on folks when they're already hurting because of the economy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. There is that tax burden, and that is the unfortunate part of running a government. So, let's get on with it now that we've talked about the philosophy let's talk about the 2023 session and some of the proposals that are up at the uh, state house randy I, I guess i'll i'll start with you what what are you thinking
2: well a couple of uh, projects that are in the works to, to spin down some of that reserve or that surplus uh, <laughs> are the uh, governor's commission recommendation uh, for public health and, and local health departments and there's also a Behavioral Health Commission that's met and has some uh, substantial recommendations for how to improve our mental health system. Uh, and both those proposals are very expensive. Uh, and, and for policy wonks, they're fascinating, utterly fascinating, about how to go about improving uh, Hoosiers' lives in, uh, in those two areas.
0: Well, and those are two areas that I think nationally and probably globally are, are getting a lot of attention, especially mental health. Um, what does that cost?
2: It, it it's all going to depend on what they want to do. what What do the legislatures um, What do the legislators want to do? What do they decide? Typically, someone will come with a proposal that, that's going to be wildly expensive, and the legislators know that they're going to trim it down. So I don't want to commit to what the cost is going to be. <laughs> uh, but they're talking about uh, more mental health courts. Uh, they're talking about moving uh, to a community uh, mental health behavioral centers. Uh, For people who commit crimes but are diagnosed with a mental illness and found to be incompetent or found to be legally insane, meaning they weren't capable of understanding what they did was wrong. Uh, And there's, you know, I'm I'm a former deputy prosecutor, and and anyone in that system can tell you uh, there's plenty of room for improvement there. We would uh, get someone that committed a petty crime, was obviously mentally ill, obviously needed help, sometimes desperately wanted help. Uh, And they would sit for months on end before they could get a bed at the Department of Mental Health. And the law says if you serve the maximum sentence, you have to be released. So we're releasing guys who want mental health treatment, who need it, uh, and they haven't gotten it. They've just been warehoused. uh, And and it's only gotten worse. And when they get back out, there's only one other place where they can come back to, which is going to be jail. And that's not where those people belong.
0: Right. Or the streets. And sometimes we talk about homeless problems in and around our communities. And I think that's a part of it. So. Okay. Um, so spoken like a true legislator, like a true senator. Thank you, Senator. Uh, uh, was that good or bad? I'm not no, sure. it was very good. It was very good. <laughs> but you, you did not commit any dollar sign to any of those programs. All right. So, my mom's texting me. She says, I'm doing fine. Okay. Awesome. Um what else what 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 else is on the agenda for the legislature
1: you're gonna hear a lot about education this year um as randy said earlier it's 51 percent of our budget so naturally in a budget session there's a lot of focus on education but speaker todd houston from fishers has already come out and he has an education background both personally and uh professionally um he wants to look at k through 12 education to see if it's really serving the needs of hoosiers and preparing uh, children for for the workforce of the future So you're going to see a lot of focus on whether or not our current K through 12 educational system fits for the future economy. And what I mean by that is, are we focusing on some of the vocational uh, um, educational opportunities? Uh, He has said, you know, does every student need to take calculus in high school? Probably not. Should we be focused more on some of those vocational aspects? And then tooling that, pairing that with our higher education system as well, because we rank very low when it comes to students graduating K-12 through 12 going on to higher education.
0: Well, I'm going to date myself, but I do recall a time when I was younger where uh, technology, vocational education, even such basic things as wood shop or metal shop were part of that K-12 through 12 education. And as time has gone on, they seem to have lost favor in our public school systems. Um, is the idea to reinvoke some of those, um, you know, VOTEC-type uh, type programs across the state?
1: I, I think so, absolutely. And I think, uh, especially when you talk about the advanced manufacturing, uh, the skilled labor uh, workforce of, of tomorrow, I think they really want to focus on that, and again, in our K-12 through system to make sure, because not every student is going to want to go to your traditional four-year college or university, but we have to prepare them with the skills they need to succeed. Uh, in the economy
0: well and even if you do go to a traditional college i mean i do think that there i'm i'm from our south bend office and and um, i visited a couple years ago i visited Penn harris madison's uh, robotics lab which is the size of a high school gym and attended by 100 150 children Um, those kids are probably largely going to go to college but what a leg up to come out of school knowing how to build a robot and have it take a ball and put it in a hoop. Uh, you know, they were simple tasks that the robots were completing, but they were robots completing tasks, which uh, I, I'm i gonna guess, I don't know what Randy does uh, for fun, but I'm gonna guess none of the three of us could do. So, uh, nope. already a, fair,
1: leg, a, fair assumption.
0: Yeah, a leg up uh, for these kids. So, what a great idea. Um, any other thoughts on education? Any other programs you see coming down the pipe this year? Uh,
2: I wanna echo what, uh, Matt's point about about vocational pathways I've heard a lot of legislators talk about that you know when our public schools have done whatever the legislature has mandated that they do uh, and and a mandate a while back was to to concentrate on academics and the schools responded and did that but now they're going to have more pathways for like advanced manufacturing like you mentioned I was able to visit uh, Representative Goodrich uh, at his firm Gaylor Electric and they started a high school in that firm uh, for, for kids to get academic uh, half the day, another half the day, they're filling orders and, and creating products that are going out the door uh, to customers, and then they can get a job there. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing Speaker Houston is talking about. We're, we're going to prepare kids for, for real-world opportunities that exist in Indiana, and that will help us attract more jobs uh, and fill the jobs that we attract.
0: Is the idea to invest beyond uh, K-12 through 12 into that secondary education as well? And, and what I mean by that is um, – Even some of our tradesmen need post- high school education, and, and some of that can be done through community colleges, Ivy Tech, and some of these other programs. So is that part of the the plan, do you think, for the legislature?
1: Yeah, I was going to mention Ivy Tech as well. I think they're going to be a big part of that conversation because, again, the, the vital role they play, and, and we'll transition a little bit into other issues, you're going to talk about um, electric vehicles. Uh, Indiana has become really a hotbed for EV production and economic development that comes along with that. So, again, if you look at what we need from a workforce standpoint – to build electric vehicles, to build the batteries for those electric vehicles, and anything else in that advanced manufacturing sector. You're really going to need the Ivy Techs and those other four-year colleges in Indiana to be uh, working with the, the the manufacturers and the other business community to make sure that we have the workers for that.
0: Fascinating stuff. We could probably spend an hour talking about it, but I do want to move on to some of the other initiatives that we think are going to come across the, the uh, state house this year. Um, what else do you think is going to see the light of day?
1: Uh let's talk about some stuff that tends to dominate the headlines, uh, gaming uh, and cannabis legalization.
2: Boy, uh, <laughs> well, you went right to it, uh, sin, you know, and, sin. sin, sin and sin, vice and yeah. vice. Right. Um, um, so
0: let's talk about it, Senator. Um, we, we know that gaming has taken its place in Indiana, both uh, state licensed as well as uh, federally through the Pokagon Band up north. Um and I think that history has proven and, and again I come from a region and an area where gaming's pretty dominant, both uh, throughout uh uh that northwest corner of Indiana into Michigan City, over into South Bend. Um and we've not seen our communities fall apart. Our eyeballs have not burned out of our out of their sockets like they did in Raiders of the Lost Ark uh but uh what do we think of gaming and do we think the the state's going to expand it make additional licenses available
1: uh no i don't think you'll see anything regarding additional licenses available but we will have what most would consider an expansion of gaming we're, we're a long way from 1993 when you had to wait every two hours to board a riverboat because it was setting sail, and you had to pay to get on the riverboat to give them your money um as you said, we've not seen a complete breakdown of society since we've legalized gaming here in Indiana. It's been sort of an incremental step to allow for more offerings to Hoosiers and those traveling through Indiana. Most recently with uh, sports wagering, daily sports wagering that you can do on your phone. And that's the next step in this evolution is eye gaming is being able to get on your phone and playing through a Regulated, legitimate company, probably operated by one of the casinos that are already here in Indiana, sure. but sitting down and playing blackjack, roulette, craps on your phone on your iPad.
0: And currently, a state law sits. I don't recall. Maybe you gentlemen do, but we've all seen the ads, the Mannings and uh, Caesars, and um, but is is online sportsbook and sports betting legal here in Indiana? It
1: is indeed. All yes,
0: is right. so one of the states that participates. But the idea is to take that one step further. Sure.
1: That's correct, yeah, and, and, and uh, for a variety of reasons. One is that more and more states are starting to offer that, so Indiana wants to be competitive from that standpoint. Uh, but also, back to the budget discussion, it's the revenue that's generated from that, and studies have shown upwards of $500 million annually could be generated from the iGaming. Um, instead of getting up and going to a casino, you're able to just play on online. Um, the study shows that you're not really cannibalizing from the existing brick-and-mortar uh, casinos. So it's new players that are playing online. Of course, with that comes concerns about problem gaming, uh, addiction, things of that nature. So you'll see some of those proceeds, if this were to pass, go towards addressing those problems. But, but that will be a legitimate conversation at the legislature this upcoming session.
0: It's, um, that makes a lot of sense, I think. Randy, what do you think? What do you think about cannabis? Is that, uh, is that coming down the pipe?
2: people have made that argument for years and the legislature has always said no uh, so uh, it, it's hard to tell what's going to happen or if that breaks when you know what session that'll be in yep. I think there'll definitely be some more bills uh, and, and some more tweaks that people are going to want to make in that space and that'll that'll generate a lot of headlines but I can't I can't
0: predict what will happen the 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 interesting part about cannabis is that I, I think the the jury's still out on whether or not it is useful or, or beneficial to the broader uh, goals and, and some of the stated uh, benefits uh, in states that have legalized it. Maybe have or have not materialized um, revenue, increased revenue, tax revenue, um, increased economic activity in uh, maybe some depressed uh, in- municipalities. Um, you know, I think our neighbor state, Michigan, has, has, has is a pretty good field example of that, although um, maybe a slightly different uh mix-up of people or belief systems, but, um, you know, do, do you think that there's resistance here in Indiana across the board, or do you think it's just the legislature not having wrapped its its whole mind around the concept?
1: Uh, it's a good question. Uh, uh, recent studies have shown, and, and there was just a recent um, uh, survey uh, r- uh, results listed that showed fairly widespread support amongst Hoosiers for legalization. Um, I, I think the legislature uh, is more conservative, and I mean small C conservative, than the general population. Um, they want to make sure that any significant change like that is done correctly and appropriately. Governor Holcomb still maintains: as long as the federal ban on legalization, uh, especially when it regards to, to banking and things of that nature, as long as that's in place, he will not be in support. So yeah. he. It, Talking about the governor for just a second, this will be his last budget session. He's got two years left before he's term limited and can't run again. But he still has the bully pulpit. And what he says still still commands a significant amount of weight amongst the legislature. Is
0: that the case? I mean, I think of, uh, you know, the phrase lame duck, right? Um, But he has not, in fact, suffered from some of those... uh, I don't want to say consequences, but he's really not seen a, a lagging in his ability. As you said, he still has the bully pulpit. Right. Well,
2: this will be the first time in his career this is uh, this is going to be the case where he's not running for re-election. Yeah. Uh, our legislature can override a veto rather easily compared to uh, those legislatures across, uh, across the country. And that's happened a time or two, but it's not been very common. Uh, so I think that he'll still have uh, some sway. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, press articles, and we'll probably see more about the legislature disagreeing with the governor on certain things. Uh, one of those may be the, the Public Health Commission's recommendations. Uh, the governor has appointed uh, former Senator Luke Kinley, along with Dr. Box, who still works uh, in, the, in the governor's administration, uh, to make recommendations, and they want to make Indiana bring it up to average spending per person uh, for public health, which will cost $36 more per Hoosier, which doesn't sound like very much until you do the math, and it comes out to $242 million Uh, And that's gotten a lot of press, and we'll hear a lot about that during the session. But already some legislators are saying, you know, we don't want to spend that much money. We're not going to have that much extra laying around uh, to be able to to spend on that. So there's going to be a a tension there. Uh, So I think the the most likely outcome for this and other uh, areas where the governor and the legislature disagree is there's going to be compromise and some progress will be made, but it won't be the, the entire ask. I think that's the most likely outcome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, As we wrap this up, 21 minutes, and we've been here for a while, huh? Um, Any other thoughts? Any parting thoughts, guys? Uh,
1: No, certainly. Um, Folks that are listening, um, you know, pay attention. Uh, Reach out to your local legislator if you see something that you uh, have concerns with or that you want to um, uh, applaud them for their efforts on uh, you're going to see 2,000 pieces of legislation introduced this upcoming session. That's not even to account all the amendments that are filed on bills that are moving through the process. So uh, no matter what your interests are, what area you work in, there will be something impacting you, your family, and your livelihood. So stay engaged. Reach out to your local legislators. Uh, make your, Make your voices heard.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, our government affairs group uh, has the ability to help out with that, of course. Um, so thank you both for being with us. Thank you for the uh, interesting insight, and have a great afternoon. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Thanks, George.